thankful for God's amazing grace today. Uh, without which none of us could be saved. And we know it's all by grace through faith. Um, we were talking earlier, there's no amount of works, Brother Earl said, that can get you to heaven. No amount of works that will ever save your soul. But it's all by grace through faith. Um, thankful for the singing this morning. Thankful that, as we sang well ago, about uh, making the trip to the other side. That's one trip. And if we've been born again, we won't make alone. Uh, he'll steal those rough waters, and and it'll be a sweet crossing. And I'm glad that uh, I'm glad when we face that, we will not face it alone. But he'll be there with us and to lead and guide us to the other side safely. Is there anything on your heart before we go any further? Amen. Appreciate this. Any others? Yeah. Yeah. Let's remember this. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Joshua chapter number 2. I do desire your prayers. I told Michelle this morning, I said, I'm sure far away. I know I'm getting older. Um, and somehow I hurt myself whilst I slept last night. <laughs> Uh, I've got a bad crick in my shoulder, and, and I guess that's just a sign, but uh, one of these days, all these aches and pains will be behind us. Hallelujah. I'm glad of that. We're going to have a new body. The Bible says it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that we shall be like Him. That the psalmist David said, when I awake with thy likeness, I shall be satisfied. And so we're going to be like Him uh, in a new body. And a resurrected body. Listen to a man of God this morning on the way down and he was talking about that. That flesh and blood will not, cannot inherit the kingdom of God. There has to be a change. And I'm glad of the scripture that says that will happen in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye at the sound of the last trump. For God Himself, the Bible says, shall descend from heaven with a shout. The shout of the archangel and the trump of God shall sound. And we shall be changed. I like that. Shall be changed. Joshua chapter number 2, starting with verse 1. Uh, I've preached on this before, maybe not too long ago, and, and uh, sometimes the Lord will give you something and you think, Lord, I've just preached on that. But um, the apostles said we don't know what to say. There's nothing we can preach except what we've seen and heard. And so what God gives to us, if it's two weeks in a row, that'll be have, have to be fine. But you pray for us. I've thought about Rahab this week for whatever reason. And I don't really know what direction to go with Rahab, but we're going to read this in chapter 2. And it says, And Joshua the son of Nun sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into a harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. Now there are all kind of manners of commentaries that, that say uh, harlot doesn't mean harlot, it means tavern or an innkeeper. I'm just going to go by what the Word says. It says she was a harlot. And so I'll stick with that. But it says, And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men in hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thine house, for they be come to search out all the country. And the woman took the two men and hid them, and said thus, There came men unto me, but I wist not whence they were. And it came to pass about the time of the shutting of the gate, when it was dark, that the men went out. 
Whether the men went, I wot not. Pursue after them quickly, for you shall overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof of the house and hid them with the stalks of flax which she had laid in order upon the roof. And the men pursued after them the way to Jordan and to the fords. And as soon as they which pursued after them were gone out, they shut the gate. And before they were laid down, she came up unto them upon the roof. And she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land and that your terror is fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Now therefore I pray you, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that ye will also show kindness unto my Father's house, and give me a true token. And that you will save alive my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters and all that they have, and deliver our lives from death. And the men answered her, Our life for yours. If ye utter not this our business, and it shall be when the Lord hath given us the land, that we will deal kindly and truly with thee. Then she led them down by a cord through the window, for her house was upon the town wall, and she dwelt upon the wall. And she said unto them, Get you into the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you, and hide yourselves there three days, until the pursuers be returned, and afterwards you may go your way. And the men said unto her, We will be blameless of this thine oath which thou hast made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window which thou didst let us down by, and thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy father's household home unto thee. And it shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of thy house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head, and we will be guiltless. And whosoever shall be with thee in the house, his blood shall be on our head, if any hand be upon him. And if thou utter this our business, then we will be quit of thine oath which thou hast made us to swear. And she said, According to your words, so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed, and she bound the scarlet line in the window. We, uh, Brother Joe mentioned in Sunday school this morning very briefly about Jericho. And this is a time after, right after the death of Moses. Um, Moses had uh, laid his hands by, by the commandment of God on Joshua. And God had told Joshua, Moses, my servant is dead. Uh, I'm glad that, that uh, when one preacher dies, another preacher comes along. I'm glad that when a church member dies, another church member comes along. That the work is always continuing. Uh, even though the man of God had died, uh, Joshua came along to take up this place and to take up the mantle of Moses, so to speak. And much the same as Elisha did when Elijah had departed to be with the Lord. Uh, but jo Joshua stood before the Lord and the Lord said unto him, Joshua, uh, now I'm going to begin to magnify you in the sight of all of Israel. Uh, that as the men looked unto Moses... Now men shall look unto you to lead them. 
and 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 Joshua uh, talked with the Lord, and and uh, Joshua then gathered the elders of Israel, and he said unto those Hebrew elders that uh, consecrate yourself and be ready. In three days' time, we're going to cross this Jordan. And, and uh, he said, we've never been this way before. And, and I would say you could stop there and that'll preach. Uh, that we've never came this way before. That, uh, that every day that you live, it's a, it's a new day and it's a new journey. And, and so we, uh, we need the help of the Lord. But, uh, but the men did as Joshua said. And, and Joshua sent out two spies uh, to go and search out Jericho. Now Jericho was a fortified city. It had the Jordan on one side of it, and at this time of the year, the Jordan was overswelling with floods. It was the rainy season, you see, and it had overflowed its banks, and so the men had to find a place to ford that river and to get across. And then by, by, by other standards, Jericho was surrounded by a double wall. It had an outer wall, and then it had an inner wall, and a little gap in between them. And those walls that were anywhere from some uh, some estimates say six feet, some say twelve feet thick. In other words, it was a it was a city that uh, that was almost impenetrable. That uh, that they were safe and secure. And, and I'm sure for a while those men felt safe. And I'm sure for a while uh, you felt safe. For a while uh, I felt safe until the time came when God revealed to me that I was lost and undone. And then, much like I said while ago about America 21 years ago today, uh, there came a time in my life where I realized an enemy has done this. Uh, an enemy has breached the gates. Uh, I begin to realize and feel how what all of Adam's race, uh, what every man, woman, boy, and girl, hey, if they live long enough, have uh, felt what every last one of Adam race has felt, and that is a separation from God, a a, a, a separation, knowing that uh, knowing that an enemy has done this, uh, and an enemy has breached in the Garden of Eden all the way back in the beginning of mankind. An enemy has breached sin, and, and men gave that enemy his power when Adam ate of that forbidden fruit. He gave the enemy his power. And so, from that point on, men have feared death. As death began to pass upon all men, and men feared death, and men still fear death today. But to those of us who have been saved by grace, we realize there's maybe maybe a natural fear of death, but we know that as, as a saved individual, we're going to a place far better than what we have here. But at any rate, Joshua sent these spies out, and they came into Jericho. And there was a woman named Rahab that lived in Jericho. And over the course of time, and over the course of, of her life, the Bible says that, uh, exactly what she was. She was a harlot and she was a sinner. Uh, but somehow or another, uh, and uh, it's hard to wrap your head around this, uh, uh, that God, much like He did with Abraham, uh, called Him out of a pagan land and out of a pagan country uh, where He didn't worship the Lord. Uh, Rahab grew up like that. Uh, she grew up in a home where they didn't worship the Lord. Uh, she had no uh, no uh, man of God in her life to preach unto her. Uh, she had no knowledge of the truth. Uh, but as 
her occupation was and she was around the men of the city quite a bit, she began to hear a rumor. And that rumor began to grow. And that rumor went back 40 years. You see, that rumor went all the way back. They began to tell a story around the whale water, around the place of business, around the place in the walls of Jericho. Men began to fear. Men began to realize that maybe some spies had went out from Jericho or maybe they'd seen the host of the children of Israel. And maybe they had seen the millions of Hebrews and the tens of thousands fixing to march upon their territory. And they said one to another, and Rahab had to have overheard it. I don't know how else she would have understood, but she had to hear the men as they began to talk about an army of people that had a God with him like the world had never known before. For they had a God on their side. They had heard the stories of how 40 years earlier God had got vengeance upon Pharaoh. They had heard the stories of how God had divided and parted the waters at the Red Sea. They had heard the stories how those Hebrews went across on dry land. And they had heard the story how Pharaoh attempted to cross there in the same place. And they had heard how that the waters fell upon Pharaoh and upon Pharaoh's people and destroyed all of his armies and destroyed Egypt really and took their king. They had heard how the firstborn of Egypt had died. And they had heard how that the gods of the Amorites Sihon and Hog. They had heard how they had fallen. They had heard how Israel had, had soundly defeated every enemy that they came up against. And men began to tremble. But Rahab not only began to tremble, I believe Rahab became a praying woman at that point. You say, preacher, you can't prove that. I know it's not recorded that she ever mouthed a prayer. But see, she heard that. She heard that and she knew. The Bible says that she hid the spies as they came into her and she took them up on her rooftop and she had stalks of flax that were drying there up on the flat roof. I believe her occupation from the harlot, I believe she had sort of gone away from that and was trying to make an honest living by selling this flax. And so you see, she began to talk to those men and she said, I know, I know that your God whom you serve will soundly defeat this city she must have had some kind of faith. You might say, what do you mean by that preacher? I mean, she's listed in chapter 11 of Hebrews. She's listed among the greatest of the greats that ever lived. She's listed in that great Hall of Fame faith chapter. And it said, by faith, Rahab hid the spies. So you see, she heard about this army coming. She had no doctrine. She had no Bible. She had no law. She had no Moses. She had no Joshua. She had no God to lead her. But somehow she heard. And as she heard, she began to pray. And as she prayed, she began to realize that she was a sinful woman. And I believe she, I believe she got saved. You say, preacher, why do you say that? Because James talks about her. And the only other person that James mentions in the second chapter of James as doing with faith and works was Abraham, the father of the nation of Israel. And she's listed right beside Abraham that she had a faith that was so great uh, that it had works put to it. And you see, he says faith without works is dead being alone. But true faith 
will produce good works. Every time it will produce good works. And so she had to have faith by hiding the supplies. And the way she did that, she hid them and she used a little subterfuge or she lied. And before you condemn her too much, what would you have done? She was nearly put in an impossible situation. The king of Jericho came and said, where are those two men at? Well, if she told him and was honest, she would have been betraying God. If she lied, she would have been lying, which is a sin. So before you judge her too harshly, Think about what she would do in that situation. But at any rate, those men had talked with her. And she said, we know. We know what you've done. We know. And I thought about that for a little while. Here was a woman who had no knowledge of God. Only what she heard. Only how powerful He was. And she found a place of repentance. And I thought of that. And I thought, us here today in America, especially you here that are lost today, you've heard the Gospel. You've had the opportunity. You've had men in your life. You've had women in your life. You've seen people born again. You've seen the testimonies. You've heard the testimonies. You've seen the witness. And you've got every chance that she didn't have. And somehow she got saved. And you're still there undecided. And I thought about that for a few days. But I thought about what she said. She said, I know. I know that the God you serve is going to give you this land. And she had to have some kind of faith because there was a river that Israel would have to cross over that they could not cross over unless some miracle happened. And even if they could cross that river, there was two walls that surrounded Jericho. Did she have faith that God would destroy the walls? They were 30 feet high and just say 10 feet thick. And there's no way a battering ram, there's no way they could have climbed them. There was no way in Jericho. Yet she still believed Jericho would fall. I'm telling you right now, America has felt safe up until 20 years ago. I want you to understand today that we're no better than they. If we turn back and turn away from God, we will fall just like they did. And there's no doubt in my mind about that. The thing that's keeping us together is the church of the living God. That's my humble opinion this morning. But she said, I know that you're going to destroy it. And I thought about that. She heard and she believed what she heard. And the problem is today, you've heard, but it's never entered into your heart what lays in store for them that die lost without God. It's never really sunk in. Hell has never really became real enough to you. The destruction became real enough to Rahab. That destruction she knew. I'm going to perish with all these sinners. And I deserve it because I'm a sinner. And she understood that. And she got right with God. You've heard that. But it's never ever entered into your heart. But I'm telling you, destruction cometh upon every soul lost without God. Every soul. Without exception, from the richest, we had a, a queen that just passed this week. And she lived in royalty with a crown on her head. But she died. I hope she was right with God. It won't matter if you're a king or a queen or a monarch. It won't matter what you are. But you see, she said, because I've did this to you, and because I've shown you kindness, 
Will you show me and give me a true token? I thought about that true token. I thought about what is a true token. And she wanted something that she could point to and know that she was going to be spared. And they said, what you've let us stand out of this window by, you take this piece of scarlet cord and you bind it in your window. And when we come in, we'll see the scarlet cord. You gather everybody that you love. Gather them into your house if they're on the outside and their blood will be upon their own heads. I'm telling you today, a lost sinner, if you die lost and you end up in hell, your blood will not be on my hands. It'll be on yours. It'll be upon your own head. The Bible says the soul that sinneth, it shall die. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. And so your blood will be upon your own head because you've heard the Gospel. You've heard me preach about hell. You've heard me say it's hot. You've heard me say it burns. You've heard me talk about it in outer darkness and weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. You've heard me talk about that pit that has no bottom and the wails and screams and cries that come about that place. But it's not been made real enough to you yet. Or else if it had, you would have surely sought repentance. You might have heard. The men of Jericho heard. And they feared. You might have feared. But my friends, if it's not brought any good works out of you, you've not believed yet from the heart. I'm telling you there's a day coming in which the Bible says heaven and earth shall melt away. It says even the elements shall melt with fervent heat. It says the scoffers uh, that say, where is He coming? Where is the promise of His coming? For since our fathers fell asleep, we've heard there's been Baptist preachers preaching about the end. For as long as you've been alive, your great, 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 great granddaddy heard that kind of preaching. But my friends, it's true. He is coming. Destruction is coming. An end is coming. And she wanted a sign. She wanted a token. I thought about that this week. I said at the funeral the other day, and I said, I hope she don't mind me telling it. You want a token? You want a token? Let me tell you. Let me tell you a token. Sister Debbie told me when she frowned Brother Joe that he had his hands laid back like this. And she said, Brother, he never slept like that. He never sat like that. Now what does that mean then? It means simply that he was reaching out. You want a true token? Right there's a true token. He saw something. As he left this earth. My friend, that about put me on shouting ground. There is a place prepared for you that know the Lord. You want a token? How about that for a token? How about that for a sure sign? You want a token? You look at Jerusalem. You look at an empty tomb where Jesus Christ was hanged and, and, and His life was uh, fled His body. He went down into the very depths of death itself. Death's arms clutched Him about and it pulled Him down like it had every man that had ever went before Him since. But on the third day, if you're looking for a token, my friend, if you're looking for that scarlet cord, you have to look no further than the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He came out of the tomb that we could live forever. You want a true token? There's you a true token. You want a tr- I've got a true token. It happened about right here 
on an altar one night. I got my true token. Lord, how will I know? How will I know I've been saved? You want a true token? The Bible says because of the Spirit. That's how you know. There's your token. If you're looking for anything else, I'm afraid you're going to look for the rest of your life. I want you to be satisfied in salvation. I really do. There's a number here who may be saved. You don't seem lost. I can't look into your heart. I can't judge your soul. But there is one, my friend, who is judging you. There is one who will judge you. There is one that will judge not only your actions, but he'll get down to the thoughts and intents of your heart. You see, it's not that we sin. It's that we're sinners. I've said this before, but you don't, you're not a murderer because you murder somebody. You murder somebody because you're a murderer. You don't, you're not a sinner because you sin. You sin because you are a sinner. And there's nothing you can do about that. That light was cast for you long before you were ever born. That you were going to be born a sinner. And there's nothing that you can do to change that fact. So what must I do to escape damnation? What must I do to be like Rahab? And she had, and you know, the Bible talks, and, and I can only speculate here. I can only speculate. But I truly believe she was the only righteous one in Jericho. And I base that on the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. When Abraham said, Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And God said, If there's ten in that city, I'll spare them for those ten. I can't help but think that amidst that whole mass of people, if you could look at their hearts, that Rahab the harlot was the only righteous one. She's the only one as far as we know that was spared. Her and her family. He said, Gather them in with you. Those that you love, you gather them in. Oh, church, today, I would beg you, those that you love, would you gather them in? I mean, gather them in, mamas and daddies. Gather them in the house of God. For if they're on the outside at the time of their departure, their fate has been sealed. It has been set. And in the day of judgment, they will perish. Except they repent. So mamas and daddies, church, uncles and aunts, brothers and sisters, church family, we must bring them in, as the song says, from the fields of sin. That's what the spies said. If you love them, anybody that you love, you bring in. She bound that scarlet cord in her window. The Bible says when Israel marched around, I'm not going to get into it because it would take too long, but how the walls fell at Jericho is a remarkable thing. You can read about it in chapters 5 and 6 of the book of Joshua. But the Bible says the walls eventually fell down flat. And they went in that city. And Joshua said to those two men, you go to Rahab and you find that woman. In other words, you gather her. She's not to be touched. She's not to be destroyed. I've set my mark on her. And she's safe. Those of us who have been saved, we've got a mark on us. We've been saved. What is that mark, preacher? It's the Holy Ghost. It's the Spirit. It's the blood. It's that scarlet cord. That scarlet thread. It runs from Genesis through Revelation. When Adam sinned, 
the first death that ever happened in this life or on this planet, in this world, the first death that ever occurred was God sacrificing an animal to clothe Adam and Eve from their nakedness. Showing Adam, I believe as Adam watched the blood spill out of that animal, probably a lamb, I believe as Adam watched the blood spill out of that lamb and crimson stained the ground for the first time in history, I believe it was brought, I believe God made him watch it. I believe God made him watch it right there. I believe God brought him to the place and said, Adam, because of your sin, there has to be a death in order to make you righteous again. And so what must you do? You must repent. And you must be saved. How do I be saved, preacher? You call out on that one that's able to save. You have faith in that one that died and rose from the dead. You put your faith and your trust in the crucified, resurrected Son of God. And you come to Him. And when God draws you with His Spirit, you come to Him. If He's drawing you now, He's warning you. Destruction is waiting for you at the end of your life. And except you flee, except you repent, you shall perish. You shall utterly perish. The Bible speaks of a second death. It speaks of a death that never ends. You see, where the righteous go, we never die. And where the unrighteous go, where the lost go, you die forever and yet are never ever consumed. Isn't that an awful thought this morning? An eternal death? My friend, if you're here undecided today, I don't know what it's going to take. I don't know what it's going to take. But Rahab... Rahab did something that you need to do. She not only heard, she listened. And Joe said in Sunday school this morning, I'm sorry, Titus. He said, I've told Titus many times growing up, don't you do it. Whether he did or not, I don't know. He never said that. But Joe said, I'll soften if he did do it. But then he said, God will not soften. I want you to get a hold of that this morning. God's stance on sin will never, will never soften. He will never tolerate it. The soul that sins, it shall die. And then Ezekiel said, but why would you die? Boy, that's a good question. Why? When eternity is staring you in the face, why would you die? I'm glad as we sing that song, I begin to feel my eyes well up with tears. Just knowing when I come to my end on this life, when I step out into eternity, there'll be somebody holding my hand. That I won't make that journey alone. What's that token? Show me a true token, she said. There's a spirit inside of me. That what happened to me here that night, is still with me here today. There's a token in the form of a comforter. There's a token. She said a true token. A true token. I have a time and a place where I was born again. I have a time and a place where I placed my trust in that resurrected Son of God. I've got a time and a place where a change happened inside of me that came down from above. It didn't originate with this world. 
but it came down from above. The glory of God came down and touched me. See, we've got every advantage Rahab didn't. We've got the preaching. We've got the gospel. We've got the spirit. We've got the witness. We've got the Holy Ghost. And we've got the church. And she had none of that. And, 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 and in spite of having none of that, she will stand up against you in judgment and condemn you if you die lost. Because she had none of those advantages. My wife says, sometimes I don't listen. And I say, I hear you. And she said, but you don't listen. She's not wrong. You that are lost, you've heard all your life. If you ever really listen to it. Oh, if it ever lodges in your heart that hell is real, that it burns, that the devil's not going to be the ruler in hell, he's going to be suffering the same torment as you. If you ever get that buried deep in your soul, you'll begin to cry out. I pray that God would move upon you in such a way that you'll be like Rahab, that you'll, she was like Abraham. Abraham left every acquaintance he had. He got out of her of the Chaldees. She left Jericho. Everybody but those in her family. She walked away from everything. I'm telling you, if you ever get saved, you'll walk away from every ungodly thing. Why? Because there's a spirit there now. Because it's different. You're different. If you've never had that change, you need to be saved before it's too late. Death will come for you. I said, I said the other day during the funeral, I preached it a lot, but you've often heard me say, by this time next Sunday, we could have done buried you. The buried Joe was here last Sunday, and we buried him Thursday. A lot can happen in a week's time. I'll put it off for next week, preacher. we got business conference listening. I don't care about that. I care about your soul. You could be dead and buried by this time next week. You've heard. Are you listening? You've got a true token. That's what she asked for. Give me a truth. Something I can bank on. Something that I'll know. She took that scarlet cord. She bound it in her window. She probably went in every little bit and looked at it. I would have made sure it was still there and made sure it was still there tied. Made sure the wind or nothing had knocked it down. And my friend, you can test your salvation. I've tested it many times and I've found it to be there every time. It's a true token. you have that? If not, I'd urge you to come and get it as we stand and sing. Thank <laughs> you.